Well, friends, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. Uh, welcome to those of you uh, making your way in. Uh, welcome to those of you logging in online with us on YouTube uh, for our live stream or joining us at some point after the fact this week. It's a beautiful day here in Whitensville and glad that you are sharing some of your holiday weekend with us. Uh, my name is Matthew. I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of everyone in our church. Welcome. Uh, this time of year, we have a lot of reunions happening. There are people who are coming home whom we haven't seen in a while. And there are guests and visitors who are wandering into our doors, and there's those of us who are here every single week. My friends, on uh, this Pentecost Sunday morning, uh, welcome to you in the presence of God. It's Pentecost, as you, if you couldn't tell from the things around us, and one of the things that means is that everything that we sung about at Christmas, about God coming to be with us, is still true. Because, of course, Jesus leaves again after his resurrection, and it's only because he promised that he would send the Spirit, his own presence, to be with us that we can continue to celebrate that he is among us even now. And my friends, that is good news for those of us gathering here today because the Holy Spirit is depicted in Scripture for us as fire, as light, as presence, as filling, as dove, as all of these images. And my friends, coming here today, there are those of us who feel lost and who are looking for direction and comfort and guidance. And if that is you, you have come into the presence of God himself. There are those of us who are looking for purpose and something to give their lives to. And if that is you, you have come into the presence of God who offers himself sacrificed for you so that we can learn to live in response to that. My friends, what I'm saying is would you rise in body or in spirit? Let's worship together in the presence of God who has come to be with us today. Good morning, all of Pleasant Street. It's good to see you. Our call to worship this morning comes from Acts 2, verses 17 through 21. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Come, Holy Spirit. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Come, Holy Spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Come, Come Holy, Spirit. Holy Spirit. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Come, Come Holy, Spirit. Holy Spirit. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
Christina Rossetti. O God, the Holy Ghost, who art life unto thine elect, evermore enlighten us, thou who art fire of love, evermore enkindle us. Thou who art Lord and giver of life, evermore live in us. Thou who bestowest in sevenfold grace, evermore replenish us. As the wind is thy symbol, so forward are the goings. As the doves so launch us heavenwards, as water so purify our spirits.
Friends, you may be seated. We come to church not to grovel in our sin, but to be redeemed and to be healed. And so with this, please join me in this call to confession. Gracious God, who pours out the gift of the Holy Spirit, we confess before you and to each other that we fail to recognize this gift. We have been satisfied with the ordinary things of this world, suspicious of the unfamiliar things, and blind to all spiritual things. Cleanse us, O God, with your celestial fire. Create in us a clean heart, O God. Restore us into the holy joy of your salvation. Now let's go to God in a silent confession. And even though we are sinners, friends, God offers us these words of insurance. All the promises of God find their yes in Christ. This is why we speak amen through him, to the glory of God. It is God who put a seal on all his people across the earth and has given the spirit of, of, in our hearts. In Christ, by the power of the spirit, we are redeemed. Praise God. So I invite the deacons to come up for our morning offering. <coughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, we pray to you this morning. You fulfill us. And you give us everything that we have. We're not deserving of it, Lord. We pray for our church across the world. It is your bride, Lord. I pray for this morning, for our offerings. Receive them to further your kingdom and glorify your name. In your name we pray, amen.
the peace of Christ is with you. Also with you. Let's pass this peace of Christ with each other. Kids from Kid Street, come up here. People of God, what is our prayer? serve Jesus. Thanks. Well, friends, good morning. On this Pentecost Sunday, as we continue our worship together, 
It is the Spirit that fills up this place, taking the truth of who God is and making it real to us, making us alive to these things, and also taking the things that are in our hearts and helping us to turn them upward to God in prayer. We get to do that together now as a congregation. I'm going to offer a prayer on our behalf. It's me speaking, but it is our prayer, and so I would invite you, friends, to join me in this congregational prayer. Let's pray together. O Spirit of God, you are depicted to us in Scripture as a fire cleansing and consuming. You are a dove coming from on high. You are a still, small voice in a noisy world and a crowded room. You are everywhere. You are in us and about us. You create faith in us. You nurture and prompt our good works of response to the gospel. You form us into people who look like Jesus. You build up the church on earth. You, Holy Spirit, are fire. You are dove. You are a still small voice. You are the breath and the fire with which the word of God is spoken, the wind on which the gospel is born anywhere and to anyone in the world. Holy Spirit, Lord God, you are breath. And today we think and pray for those who feel as though the wind has gone from their sails or their lungs. We think this morning of those who endure grief, who face trials, who are weary with sorrow. We think of the Hart family and the Plantingas and the McGraths after Cindy's passing. We lift up to you the Stinsons after Karen's death. We mourn with the Nappers and the Herringas after Ted's passing. Today, we lift up the Lukianics and we remember the Kewicks. Holy Spirit, breathe you are recreating breath over these people so that when they exhale sorrow, they might breathe in the hope of your new creation. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe also sustaining breath over those in ministry who face weariness in their work for whom the task is too great or large. We think of our missionary partners sharing the gospel in word and in actions across the world and nearby to where we live. We ask today on Pentecost that you would breathe fresh breath into them as they do this work and as we join them. Lord God, you are the fire that cleanses and comforts, the pillar of fire that guides and protects us. And today we think also of those who are lonely, who face decisions and changes in the future, who struggle for health, who are recovering. We think today of Hank E. after a recent surgery and Rick L. And we think also of Jack A. We lift up to you Simeon B., as he prepares for surgery this week. We think of our shut-ins and those whose rooms or homes or lives have become all too quiet and who long for company. We ask that you would warm and heal them in the bright fire of your love and presence. Holy pillar of fire, you once led your people through the wilderness. We come to you now asking that 
You would be with those who face decisions and an unknown future. We think of the Northbridge High School senior class as they get ready to celebrate a baccalaureate service this week. Guide them into their next steps. We think of the Christian school seniors as well, and we ask the same, that you would lead them into the next steps of their lives, helping them to know that they follow you and that you can be trusted even when the way seems unknown or hard. We pray that the same illuminating and guiding presence would be with our denomination, too, as we prepare to gather for this year's big church meetings in Grand Rapids. Guide us, O God, into all truth with courage by your Spirit. Bring forth the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control in our conversations together. O Spirit of peace, You rested upon Jesus, your servant, proclaiming in him, all God is pleased. And we know that today you are also the source of our joy and suffering and peace in the midst of turmoil. You forge bonds of unity and you restore when things are broken. And so we lift up to you this world in its wars and conflicts. We pray for the people of Ukraine and Sudan. We think of places in our lives, in our communities, where conflict has fractured families and relationships as well. Anoint those who are tasked with nurturing peace and restoring what is broken. Anoint them in the news that through Jesus Christ we can hear ourselves called the beloved of God too. And now, on this Pentecost Sunday, we ask for your breath and your fire and your light and your power and your peace here. We ask, O God, that you would fill us with your Spirit, that you would pour out the power of your Holy Spirit, gentle power that it is, that we might not be afraid in times of great fear, and that we might know the fullness of your love for us expressed in your kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, and out of overflow, Pour it out for others. We pray all of this in the name of the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hear these words of hope and assurance from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And then verse seven, uh, 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. 
for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And then from John chapter 14, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. We uh, turn our attention to the Gospel of John together, and in many ways, uh, the church marks and celebrates different seasons and occasions like Pentecost, but each and every Sunday is a function of Pentecost Sunday, because when we get to this moment, we pause for a minute, and we ask, we invite the presence and the voice of God himself to come and to take these words and my words and to make them words that are good news for us. And so, friends, let's do that together now. Would you pray with me? O God, the Holy Ghost, who art light unto thine elect, evermore enlighten us. Thou, who art fire of love, evermore enkindle us. Thou, who art Lord and giver of life, evermore live in us. Thou who bestowest sevenfold grace, evermore replenish us. As the wind is thy symbol, so forward our goings. As the dove, so launch us heavenwards. As water, so purify our spirits. As a cloud, so abate our temptations. As dew, so revive our languor. As fire, so purge our dross. And we ask, O Christ, that you would do all of this in the power of your Spirit, sent by the Father to us. Amen. When David Bennett was 14, he realized that something was different about him, and he couldn't hide it, and he came out to his parents. It happened because he was on his way to a birthday party, and his mom was driving through the neighborhoods where they lived outside of the downtown area of Sydney, Australia. And before he got out of the car, David turned and he told his mom and she reached across the console and they shared a long embrace with tears on the leather seats of the family Volvo. David's journey then sent him on a search for meaning and identity. 
He sought answers. He's a brilliant guy, and he sought answers in postmodernist philosophies, and he sought belonging and purpose in the activist queer community. He did try the Bible, but he found it to be harmful and dangerous. Christians didn't help. The Christians in his life said well-meaning but often foolish and painful things which left him profoundly angry and feeling apart from God with no way home. He decided to dedicate his life to stopping the Christian faith. But despite all of this anger, what David really wanted was love. David did what all people, all modern people, regardless of orientation, are doing in our world. He sought it out through meaningful romantic partnerships, but never seemed to work out. After several heartbreaks, David was feeling completely lost. One evening, David found himself in the heart of Sydney's alternative scene at one of its most celebrated clubs on Oxford Street, a place that is often packed with the city's best intellectuals, fine arts students, and writers. David, that night, was among the brightest and most forward-thinking of his culture. And on that night, he had a little journal that he was carrying with him, which he would sometimes do. And when he had the journal, he would sometimes write a question in it or a poem stanza. And then he would pass it around at a party to see the kinds of responses that he would get from people. Well, the question that he wrote that night at the bar in Sydney on Oxford Street was cliche. I'll give you that. But it was the one that David was genuinely asking. What is love? He let the journal circulate the party while he mingled and danced, and after a few hours, David reclaimed it from a woman with a white powdered face who was dressed like Virginia Woolf. He sat down on a couch and he began to read. He began to read the responses scrawled out in every kind of handwriting imaginable. What is love? Most of the answers were trite or funny, some were inappropriate. Others were so cynical that it would break your heart. Many people just wrote, baby, don't hurt me. He came away deeply disappointed. No one in the bar that night had an answer to the simple and profound question that in fact probably brought everyone there. He writes, in all our films, songs, and art, we worship love, but no one could define it. Maybe that's because no one actually knew the answer. My friends, David that night discovered one of the strangest ironies in all of our modern world about love. We talk about, we celebrate, we idealize love all the time. But if you ask us to answer the question, what is love? We struggle to define it. So we just quote the 1993 lyrics by Hathaway, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. David tells his very important story in a book that I've been spending the last few weeks with called A War of Loves. And I know that there is a great risk today in telling you his story. 
Because a story like David's gets caught up in all these controversies that we are having about marriage and romance and church. But my friends, I wonder if just for a moment we can push all of that aside and look a little deeper to this scene in which David sits on a couch asking a question that all of us have. What is love? What does it mean to love and be loved in return? Which happens to be exactly what Jesus is talking about with his 12 most intimate friends today. Jesus says, I am the vine in an upper room where he has just washed everyone's dirty feet with his own bare hands, wearing only a linen towel. Jesus says, I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. And as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. During the Easter season at Pleasant Street, we have been listening to Jesus as he is self-identifying to us, as he describes who he is to us. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses some very specific phrases to describe himself. We call them I am statements, and they are loaded, freighted, heavy with cultural and biblical significance. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, I am living bread, I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. These are the kinds of things that God says. And this is why the people who hear him are amazed or astonished or downright angry. And today we are pausing for a moment in the seven I am's and we are lingering on John 15 and Jesus who is taking up these titles for God and he says, among other things, that he is the one who defines love. Jesus is the answer to the question, what is love? You heard it. In the same way, that the Father in heaven has loved me, that is the same way that I have loved you. The way that the Father looks at, relates to, and treats Jesus is love. And this is the same way that Jesus looks at, relates to, and treats his disciples. That is the measure of what love really is. And in case we missed it, Jesus describes it for us. Love, the real definition of love, is friendship. And real friendship, Jesus says, is choosing to give yourself up sacrificially for your friends. There is no greater love than this. My friends, in our world today, we recognize family love. It's the kind of love from people who have to let you in the door. In our world, we idolize romantic love. It's the kind of love we want to complete us and fill us with ecstatic joy. What's the quote? You complete me, right? But friendship, love, barely registers on the radar. Jesus says 
to us in this world the deepest, highest, most profound expression of love there is is the kind of friendship the Father has shared with me, which I have shared with you. In this passage, Jesus is telling us that he is God, and as God, he is telling us that he is the one who gets to define what love is, which is what God does. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down your life for your friends. You are my friends. My friends, what is love? The voice of Jesus is love. The person of Jesus is love. The actions of Jesus are love. So then, maybe you're asking yourself, why is it that for people who have spent their life listening and responding to Jesus in Scripture, we are sometimes no closer to being able to understand love than the people in that club in Sydney. Could be a lot of reasons. But if we stay with this passage just for a minute, I think one thing that we could wonder at together is that perhaps it is because we listen to Jesus as servants. Servants listen to conversations, but they do so in a very particular way. Servants listen for commands. Servants listen to the things that are happening. If you imagine one of those British period dramas where you have the family house and you have the servants and you have the upstairs world and the downstairs world, the servants come up to the upstairs world where the family, where the people who belong, who own the place live, and sometimes they are there, but the servants are listening to the conversations there for just a few things. They are listening for tasks. They are listening for conditional statements. They are listening to know if they are doing the right thing. Servants, in other words, listen for ifs. And there is a really big if in this passage. Maybe you caught it. Maybe it was the first thing you heard. If you keep my commands, you are my friends. Jesus says it again a few verses later. In reverse, you are my friends if you keep my commands. Jesus says if, and in many ways, that's sometimes the only thing we ever hear. Why? Well, because that's all we hear everywhere else. If you don't finish your dinner, you don't get dessert. If you don't pay the bills, we will have no choice but to send you to collections. If you stand behind a cow when you are milking it, you will get kicked. If you get good grades, you will get into college. If you save and invest, you will be able to retire comfortably. Our whole life from beginning to end is governed by ifs. We hear this text the way that a servant hears a master. Friends, sometimes I wonder too if even our experiences of love are conditional. Parents withhold affection when we disobey. They give it when we comply. One of the things we learn is that life in this world is conditional. So can you blame us if the if is all we can hear in Jesus' words. Sometimes it seems like it's all we ever hear anywhere else. 
And what this would mean, among other things, is that is it any wonder that we have so much trouble defining what love is? Because most of life feels like a contract. There is, of course, one small problem with how we hear. Nestled right there between the conditions and the promised rewards, Jesus says, you aren't servants anymore. I've called you friends. Jesus says, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have learned from my Father. From servant to friends, Jesus is passing the word to us straight from the boss. It comes from the Father himself that we should now be called friends. No longer tote that barge, no longer lift that bale, no longer fetch my sun umbrella, but come, friend, would you walk with me? I do not call you servants any longer. I've called you friends. Is it a promotion? Is that how we should think of this? No, no. It is a gift. Jesus is bestowing a gift today that we could not possibly ever earn. You know, we sing, some of us grew up singing, what a friend we have in Jesus, but who among us would ever dare to sing what a friend Jesus has in me? Who among us would ever dare to suggest that we have loved as Jesus has loved us? And so the friendship that we have, if this is what he's saying, it must be a gift. It can be no other It must have come from Jesus picking us, not from us getting him to notice and pick us. Which is, in fact, what Jesus says. Just in case we ever start to congratulate ourselves on accomplishing friendship with Jesus, Jesus assures us that it has nothing to do with any of that. I have called you friends because everything I heard from God I shared with you. You didn't choose me. I chose you to receive this new identity and purpose. Friendship, my friends, is the free gift of God. It is the living God who calls us friends. It is the creator who bestows friendship on his creatures, on you. No longer servants, friends. It's not a job promotion. It's the name for a relational reality. It's the right name for our relationship with Jesus. You know the word servant, doulos in Greek? It's more like slave, like bond servant. It describes someone who doesn't know the master. She just takes orders. She either keeps or doesn't keep her job. What makes a doulos valuable? Obedience and usefulness. But here, it is as though Jesus is saying doulos, bondservant. It's not the right word at all for our relationship. Please don't use that to describe yourself. I have shared three years of my life with you. I have called you each by name. We've slept on the ground together. We've shared meals together. We've laughed around the evening fire and been chased out of town. I've taught you absolutely everything that God has ever spoken to me. I have washed your feet. Bondservant is just not at all the right word for what we have. Phylos, 
friend. Now that is the right word. Friend is how I have treated you. Friend is what I am going to do to you and for you when I lay down my life, when we leave this room and go the rest of the way to the city. Friend is why I've shared God's good purposes for the world with you. Friend is how I have loved you. During his time as an activist, David's group would frequently use the slogan, love is love. It became their rallying cry, their highest ideal, and they used it to combat intolerance and hatred wherever it was found. But what David began to discover was that the slogan doesn't really mean anything, nor does it really provide any substance as to what love actually is. Love, he writes, I have come to learn is not God. Flip it around. God is love. The God revealed in Jesus Christ is the definition of love. In Christ, we are caught up in arms greater than our own, feeling for the first time the possibility of being accepted not by our mirror, but by our maker. Which is exactly what happened to him. David was at a point in his life where he was profoundly angry. He had become cynical and hardened. He had all this philosophy that he got to use as a shield from silly fairy stories like Christianity. But he still had no definition for love. And then one day he was at a cafe with an artist friend at a pub. Madeline had recently graduated from film school and she had made a film which David found deeply moving in a way that none of the other ones were in, in fact, it actually won first prize at an art festival. And so David asks her, where did this inspiration come from for you as a brand new art graduate to be able to do something like this? And she said, do you want the real answer or do you want the interview answer? And he said, the real answer. And she said, Jesus. He gave her a knee-jerk, sarcastic response about Christians as a thousand objections flooded his mind and with good reason. Madeline, she agreed that many of the Christians she knew were narrow-minded, anti-intellectual, intolerant, and moralistic. However, she said, the key word for her was in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his son so that whoever believes, whoever believes, she said, anyone, she said, can have access to God's eternal life because God has given his son for anyone who believes. So then Madeline asked David, what do you believe? And it caught him up short. He talked around the question. He really had no way to answer it. And so gently, 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 she asked him, David, have you ever experienced the love of God? I'd never usually ask this, but because I love you and because we trust each other, I'm asking, can I pray for you? 
David said yes against his better judgment, and as she prayed, he writes that the bustle of the pub began to fade away, and David begins to enter a peace and a stillness that he has not experienced ever in his life before. And then there is this soft tingling that starts in the crown of his head, and it begins to flow down as though someone is pouring oil over him. And he writes, all my searching in religion, in relationships, in atheism, none of it compares with this love that is coursing through me like electricity. For the first time, I knew God was real and that he loved me. And he knew that this was not some vague God of the universe. This was Jesus Christ, and he must give his life to him. David is scared, but he is also so exhausted from living in a loveless world that he simply reaches out for what is offered, even though all of the questions are there, and even though none of it makes sense. And as soon as he does, he says something like, light pierces his heart, and there is a wind, like someone breathing on him that fills him up with life. And he says, it's as if I was taking my very first breath. Madeline, he says, terrified. I'm breathing without taking a breath. What is happening to me? David, she says, that's the Holy Spirit filling you. God loves you. That night, David goes home and he tells his mom another radical identity statement. He says, Mom, I think I'm a Christian. Elated, she begins to weep, and she hugs him, this time in the living room. David is very confused, and what he finds is that recently she has become a Christian too through the same movement that Madeline had become a Christian of, and she has been praying for David, and she says, as only a mother can, David, I prayed that if God really was the God of the impossible, God would have to be the one to save you because you were so impossible to save. which is exactly what God by His Spirit has come to do. Today, on Pentecost Sunday, we remember that this is the work of God's Spirit. Taking the dead and making them alive. Finding the lost and bringing them home. Taking the empty and filling it up to overflowing with God's love. Taking enemies and servants and calling them friends. 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 Jesus still chooses unlikely friends like David and maybe even you. Brothers and sisters, if all your life you have been a servant, if all your life you've been listening for commands and listening to things as though you're not really part of it, and eyeing the other servants to see if they're doing better than you, and hoping that they're doing a little worse, your Lord and Savior says to you this morning, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide, dwell, make your home in my love. Find your home in the place where I washed your feet. 
dwell on the meal that we shared before my death, abide in the promises that I have made to you and will never change my mind. Those promises, my friends, on Pentecost Sunday are as real as the breath that God has put in our lungs. God's love expressed to us in Christ Jesus is as real as bread and wine, and it is for you because God does not give his gifts the way that the world does. God gives his gifts unconditionally. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, would you pray with me? O God, the Holy Ghost, who art light unto thine elect, evermore enlighten us. Thou who art fire of love, evermore enkindle us. Thou who art Lord and giver of life, evermore live in us. Thou who bestowest sevenfold grace, evermore replenish us. As the wind is thy symbol, so forward our goings. As the dove, so launch us heavenwards. As water, so purify our spirits. As a cloud, so abate our temptations. As dew, so revive our languor. And as fire, so purge our dross. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the Lord who came in the flesh to us at Christmas is the same Lord who comes in power of his spirit and his gospel to us today. And he does bring not only a story and words, but also a meal of bread and wine. And everything is prepared because the elders have been at work to try to prepare this table but also because the Holy Spirit has been at work in us, preparing us to be able to receive it. And so, my friends, you are invited to come now with gladness to this table. Today we will be doing this a little bit differently than we've done in the last little while, so bear with me while I explain a couple of things. In our church, it's been our practice after the pandemic to take the supper by having elders distribute it to all us where you are, one of the ways we can also take the supper, though, is by coming forward to receive it. And so we're going to remember how to do that. Worship team to come up, and they're going to take some stations. And then when you are ready, you will be invited to come forward down the center aisle and to make your way forward and around to a station where there will be an elder waiting with both uh, a tray or a paten and also a chalice. And there'll be one here and there'll be one here. And depending on where your seat is, you sort yourselves, right, to the station most appropriate to your location. 
And as you come forward, they will give you the elements. We have individually cut them up to be sensitive to our need not to be tearing from the same loaf. And so you're invited to take a piece of bread, to dip it in the chalice, right? And then to go and return to your seat. If for some reason you are uncomfortable or unable to come forward to take the elements, let us know and I will be coming forward with single-serve containers to those of you who can't come to us. Finally, uh, for those of you who are gluten-free, we have a separate station that will be right up here on the right side, so please do come to that station uh, if that is something that you need or would prefer. Elders, did I get everything? It was a lot to remember. Okay. Friends, let's pray together. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Pray with me. Wondrous and merciful God, we thank and praise you because you did not, we did not choose you, but you chose us. You destined us to become your friends from before the foundation of the world. You showed steadfast love and faithfulness to your people and remembered your, provinces, your promises in every generation. Greater love has no one than you because in Christ you laid down your life and turned us from servants into friends and by your spirit you raise us up to be your beloved companions forever. On the day of Pentecost, you sent that spirit upon fearful disciples, filling them with fire, with power, with wonder and joy, and making them your church. And so we gladly thank you, together with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, proclaiming together your unending praise, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. God of comfort and strength, we look to your Holy Spirit to be with us in sorrow and in contentment, in crisis and in abiding stillness. Come among us now through the power of your Spirit that we may be transformed into your image and that these gifts of bread and wine may be for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who, at supper with his disciples, gave us this memorial of his sacrifice until he comes again. On the night of his arrest, before he suffered, Jesus took bread and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant. which is sealed in my blood and poured out for you and for many. Whenever you drink it, do this to remember me. For friends, whenever we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we together proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. God who speaks in dreams and through prophets, send down upon us your gifts of wisdom, knowledge, and faith, of healing 
discernment and interpretation, that your gift, your church may be built up into the likeness of your Son. Let anyone who is hungry find in you the bread of life, and anyone who is thirsty find in you rivers of living water. Abide with all those today whose lives seem fruitless. Remain with those who have experienced pruning. Dwell with any who feel like branches that have been discarded. Renew your church that it may look like your son. Breathe new life into us that we may love what you love and do what you would have us do to the glory of the Father, through the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has prepared this table for all those who love him and trust in him alone for their salvation. All who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who desire to live in obedience to him and who are sorry for their sins are invited to come now with gladness to the table of the Lord for these are the gifts of God for the people of God. And at this point, I want to invite our worship team and our elders to come forward. We'll let you know when it's time, my friends.
those bought and paid for by Jesus himself. Friends, would you rise as we respond together, saying the ancient faith. We declare, I believe in God the Father. Brothers and sisters, as you go from this place, you go with God's smile and favor and face turned towards you. I invite you to lift your eyes, open your hands, and receive it. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing.
Friends, go now in peace to love and serve Jesus Christ.